0: The Good Advice Show, and you're tuning in to another episode of The Good Advice Podcast. It's the end of the week for me. I thought I'd jump on the microphone and chat a little bit about some things that are happening in the business, some good advice that I want to share with you today. And whatever you're doing, whatever you're up to, I want to welcome you to the show and say, hey, thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. You could be a first-time listener, which if you are, welcome. My name is Blake. I'm the host of the podcast. been running this little thing for geez, almost five years now. Uh, And if you're a long-term listener, hey, thank you for choosing to continue to check out the podcast. Uh, Or maybe this is you giving me a second chance, who knows? (laughs) Regardless, uh, we're gonna be diving in today talking about something that I think is the bane of many of our existences when it comes to running a business, clingy customers, clingy customers. Another way to put it would be those overly engaged customers. We're going to be talking all about those customers today, including notably how you can avoid them, but more importantly, when they happen, because they will happen at some point, when they happen, what can you then do to protect the relationship and still keep that five-star review? All that and more is on the show today, but before we dive in, we have a word from one of the amazing businesses who sponsor the podcast. Check this out. We'll be back shortly. You know that feeling at 10 o'clock at night when you finished a long day of work and you're trying to figure out all the financials of your business? Well, the good news is you don't have to be an expert in this space, you gotta just know who is the expert to call. That person is Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions and he does business bookkeeping services better than anyone else I know. By not only helping you manage your books, he can also be the expert to help you understand your books. On top of that, he also handles payroll for businesses and really takes the worry and stress of managing all of these things so that you can focus on running your business well. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time trying to understand all these elements of your business. Call Steve Lay at Equity Business Solutions and he'll show you the value beyond the numbers. Go to equitybusinesssolutionsllc.com to find out more. So I think we all know the struggle of... Actually, let me just back up a bit. You know, running a business, growing a business, it's it's rare you get to the point where you get to choose your customers. And, and it's, it's it's kind of a half-truth, I would say. I mean, ideally, your business gets to the point where you no longer take those customers that really aren't that profitable. Like, if you think back to, like, day one of your business or the early days of your business... You likely took customers anywhere because heck, you needed cash, you needed to survive. And you thought, yeah, I'll, this isn't like the best fit, but sure, you know, I want to keep my business afloat. And as time goes on, you eventually start to phase out those customers, you start getting better customers, more lucrative customers. And yet, despite all of this happening, Every now and then, you will come across what I like to call either a clingy customer or an overly engaged customer. And the best way I can describe this, when I think about my old firm that I was part of, the old consulting company that I worked for, you know, we did a lot of like leadership development, management stuff, and I'll never forget we had a customer who had hired us to do some, some leadership development for them. And they were absolutely way overly engaged, so engaged that they were giving us advice on our leadership content. They weren't just giving advice. They were also criticizing us. They were um, basically, criticizing is too strong of a word. They weren't like a standoffish customer, but they were like pointing out flaws in our content. So like, for example, we might have something about like, how do you manage people well? And this customer would say like, well, that doesn't always apply. There's also this other situation that you're not thinking about, like almost coaching us on our content. And I'll never forget talking to one of my coworkers being like, man, this is a tough customer. This is a challenging customer. And he said, yeah, you know, we're, we're in a weird situation because we are, we are the consultants and yet they aren't appreciating that relationship. They're, they're sort of guiding and coaching us, despite the fact that we are the ones who should be guiding and consulting them. Now, this isn't because, I don't think this happens because, you know, you're secretly bad at your job, by the way. Um, that's not to say you're not going to get feedback. You are. And it's not to say that you won't get tips from your customers that genuinely guide you into doing business better. You will. You will get feedback that you'll ultimately choose to either take that or leave it. And ideally, that feedback will continue to guide your product to offer something that at least beats out your competitors, but more importantly, genuinely offers the result that you want to give your customers. But in this case, sometimes you have customers like this one that I mentioned that are extremely preferential for how you do your business. And there's a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the details of it, I wanna go ahead and tell you that one of the worst things that you can do to your business is have someone like this on your books operating as a customer for you because this customer is going to cost you more time It's chances are they're going to maybe leave you a one-star review or they're going to make you work for that five-star review. And when you start to math it out, you're going to realize you're actually really not making that much money on this customer. They have an opinion on everything that you're doing. They have a preference for how you do the things you do. And you find yourself giving um, certain kinds of wiggle room, I guess. You find yourself deviating from what you normally do to try to make accommodations for this customer. Again, this isn't to say that there isn't individuality in your brand. This isn't to say that for for each customer, you have a little bit of a personal touch to it so that every customer feels like an actual individual customer for your business. What I'm talking about is someone who so intently wants things done the way they want them done, that even if you're offering an amazing product or service, these people ultimately will cost you. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about these customers, notably what to do about them. But if you find yourself involved in a relationship with one like this, where do you go from there? Okay. So time and again, I and I think this has been mentioned before on the podcast, notably that what you charge, the dollar amount you charge, is immediately off the top a great way to filter out these bad kinds of customers. Because more often than not, customers are difficult because they've put they've put money they don't have in the product that you're offering. And they are panicky or scarcity mindset-y about what you're delivering for them. And this is why also I try to be um, as upfront as possible with people that I work with. But before I get to that, I'll just say this. When you start to charge what you're worth, you're going to start filtering out people that would never have appreciated your service anyway. And here's a great way to think of it. If you charge, let's just talk about like high ticket services. Let's say you charge, and I'll take like an actual like low ticket amount. Let's say you charge $1,000 for your services. Or let's say you charge $5,000 for your services, an actual high ticket number. So you're charging $5,000 for your services. You are valuing it at $5,000. And the customer who's paying for that ideally sees the value in that. The best version of these customers are the ones where you say the price and they say, great, when do we get started? Or great, send over the contract, send over the invoice, let's make it happen. Well, the customers who are going to nickel and dime you, let's say that these customers are willing to pay $100, maybe $150. And I see this often, by the way, I talk with people often who they say, hey, I need a consultant. I need someone to look at my business. Um, you know, I'm looking for someone and they even tell me, which I don't, I don't do hourly work anymore. Everything I do is like by project, but they'll say, Hey, I'm looking for someone who can do some consulting, like in the 20 to $30 range. And I think, okay, I pay my people who cut my lawn $40 and they do it in maybe 45 minutes. You really want someone who's going to guide your business at $20 an hour. Like, that's really what you want. Now, I don't genuinely like have this kind of conversation. I, I typically pay these people no mind. But the, the high level thought here is understanding that why would the person who's paying $20 an hour, why would they ever value you in the same way that someone who's paying $5,000 would? Why would the person paying you $20 an hour ever see the value that you intrinsically know you have? And more importantly, this is why these customers, because they see you as valueless. This is why customers who pay these kinds of amounts are often so overly engaged, is because they don't trust you. They don't trust you with their dollar. Uh, and for them, you know, twenty bucks, fifty bucks is a lot of money. So, um, so this is like a, a just flat off, like right off the top of the, my head, the first talking point. Is you have to be you have to be validating the customers that you're talking to, and your price will dictate how challenging customers are. Now, here's the caveat to all this. Occasionally, you will get a customer who will pay that high-ticket amount, and yet they are a nightmare. They have the disposable income to pay to pay you your rate, but they are awful when it comes to being a quality customer. And I can think about people in the past who've paid $2,000, $3,000, $4,000. I, I say people as if there's like so many. I can think of a couple where um, we weren't aligned, where there was some frustration mutually, uh, and where I felt like, I think about a customer recently who was leaving me voicemails and sending me messages and And it came to be the point where I was like, geez, I am responding to more, to more of these phone calls and messages from this one customer than I have like this other, (coughs) excuse me, guys. (coughs) Goodness. I just like swallowed a bug or something. (laughs) I was getting feisty about this and I got the wind knocked out of me, I guess. Excuse me. All this to say. I realized I was spending more time with this one customer who was paying the same amount as this other customer, who this other customer was, I I I heard from them maybe twice a month. Like they were just like, great, send another invoice over. Like, so easy to work with compared to this one customer who I'm thinking I'm spending 10 times as much on this customer compared to the other one. Now, there's a lot of like conversation on this. Like, I'm sure you've probably heard the Pareto principle. Where it's like, um, you know, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers or like how you spend your time is going to be, you know, you're gonna have these people who are like vying for your time more than you would like. So this isn't anything new that you've probably experienced, but hang on one sec. Okay. I muted the mic that time um, on my coughing spell but point being it's going to happen even if they're paying you well it is going to happen you may have even experienced it yourself if you're new to business by the way don't let this freak you out don't make don't don't let this scare you from sales it's kind of a rite of passage you're going to have that person and and here's what I'll say if you're doing business the right way if you're doing it genuinely and honestly When you have that customer, you can rest easy knowing that it's probably more them than it really is you, okay? Um, Or it could be that if you're newer to business, there are certain things that you don't recognize are kind of the norm in your industry, uh, which again, takes us back to it's why it's so important to get feedback from your customers. But all this to say, let's talk some tangible steps. What do you do when you have a clingy customer? The customer who's calling constantly, who's reaching out constantly, who's reaching out more than you would like, who's asking more questions than you would like, and who's ultimately taking up more of your time and not just taking up more of your time, but is in some cases actively pushing back on your recommendations. I think the first step in all of this is to really set expectations, and this is something that I think sometimes gets like generically said, and people are like, okay, yeah, like I said, like, sure, I do that. But I had a boss years ago who gave me this, this piece of advice um, that's always stuck with me. I would explain problems I was having, and he would say, he'd say, Blake, that's a setup problem. And it, it didn't really click for me at first. I was like, okay, that's a setup. What, what do you mean? So he would talk about, um, and I'm trying to think of like an analogy here that makes sense. Cause this was like, this was like a summer camp that he was my boss of. And, um, and that, so I'm like, I'm blending it with like when I was a teacher, but a good example, like being a teacher would be, um, do you guys know like those situations where, and maybe you even remember this being a student yourself, like back in the day <laughs> for some of you way back in the day, <laughs> But you know, like the whole thing, like the cliche of, um, it's not even a cliche, but it's relatable where like the teacher's giving instructions. And then as, as they're giving instructions, the students like get up to like, like the teacher's like, Hey, go find a partner. And like the students get up to like, go find a partner, but the teacher's like, well, hang on, hang on. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, Or the teacher's like speaking over everybody. Um, well, this can be really distracting. It can be um, kind of a big deal. Like I'm thinking like if you're a chemistry teacher, there might be like a really important detail about the chemicals you're about to handle, and yet the students aren't going to hear it because they're up moving around trying to find their partner. Well, this is a perfect example of a setup problem. It's a setup problem because the teacher has not set up the students correctly to get the information they need to get to do this activity well. So here's what it should look like instead of the teacher saying, "Hey, get up and find a partner." and then, like giving the rest of the instructions, the teacher's going to say, "Hey, before you get up, before we are going to find a partner, but before we do that, I'm going to give you some really important information, and then, after I'm done, we'll get up and you can go find your partner, whatever so Doing this well actually isn't like rocket science. It's actually just being intentional about what you say and how you say it. And that often dictates the result for, for, for whoever you're working with, whatever you're doing. So going back to my boss who said this originally, I was working at like a summer camp and it was like a similar situation where like where I was like wrangling, I was like wrangling campers around trying to like get, get their attention or like get them to pay attention. And my boss was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you you gave all your campers like archery bows and then you try to get them to still listen to you when they're too busy, like, you know, shooting shaving cream balloons or, <laughs> you know, or actually it makes you think of like, it's like, yeah, you're trying to get your, your people to listen to you, but you, you just gave them a bunch of water balloons. So like, you know, why are they like, what, what 12 year old boy is, you know, focused on you, the instructor. Instead, they're thinking of like their best friend who they're about to peg with the water balloon. This is a setup problem. This is what this means. So here's what this is like in business. You have a customer who buys from you. They like what they see. They reach out to you. You reach out to them, whatever the relationship is. And they ultimately say, yes. They say, send over the contract. Let's do it. So then what happens is, um, actually, I'll give you an actual example. This was an actual example of someone that I spoke to um, a few weeks ago. They ran a SEO, um, uh, SEO business for some customers. And they had a customer who ended up firing them at the end of the month or end of a, a quarter, I guess. And the person I was speaking to was pretty down about it. And he was surprised. He was surprised because over these three months, he had bumped the traffic to the page by 30 or 40%. He had had some pretty significant results with the customer. And yet the customer fired him. Now, when he asked the customer, hey, like, I, I just don't understand, like, why, why? Why did, um, you know, why are you letting me go? I like, aren't, aren't I giving you the results? Do you want the customer said, yes. However, I think I just would have liked to be more involved along the way. This is a fair request from a customer. This actually isn't an example of an overly involved customer. This is a pretty, pretty normal thing a customer might ask for. Well, the problem this person ran into was the customer paid him, and then the customer never heard from him again until basically at the end of every month where he'd give like a generic report. What should have happened? This is a, what should have happened. What he should have done is he should have said, "Hey, customer, I'm so excited to be working with you." Here's what I typically do with my customers. All of my customers get a monthly report from me of the kinds of traffic we're driving to their page and the changes and adjustments we're doing to get you more traffic and thus more sales for your business. Now, we typically do a report at the end of the month. We also do a report at the end of every week. This will typically come in your email inbox. Does that all work for you? So when you don't do this well and you don't say anything, you're at the mercy of whatever your customer has experienced with one of your competitors. Like your customer, the only other SEO company they may have hired, may be some desperate college student who called the customer at the end of every single day to say, this is what we did for you. And so now they have you, a provider who they don't hear from except for three times a quarter And now they're frustrated thinking, this isn't the norm. This isn't what isn't supposed to happen. But when you take a moment to set up the customer well and communicate expectations, where you say, hey, this is the norm. Does this work for you? You are informing them then what to expect from you. And ideally, it prevents these sort of uh uh-oh interactions that ultimately frustrates a customer, It ultimately frustrates you because you feel like you're doing what you have been paid to do, and yet there's a disconnect between the two of you. That's a setup problem. That's where there's a lack of communication that's causing problems in your business. And more times than not, when you have a customer who's overly engaged, who's overly clingy, you have not done a good job communicating the framing around how we work together. So me, for example, when a customer comes on board with me, depending on like what our work's going to look like together, they're going to get communication every week. I typically say, Hey, every Monday, you're going to get an email from me. Hey, we're going to meet in person on this day. Uh, Hey, I'm going to send some documents over to you. And I need you to get those back to me in the next few days, yada, yada, yada. Does this all work for you? And if they give me like a generic, like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'll get to that then I I try to read them to know, like, are they committed to the process? By the way, this also goes back to how you sell people. When you sell people, you also want to get some commitment that they're going to do things your way. Um, Sometimes whenever we are selling people, we're so desperate for the sale that whatever requests our customers have, we're like, yeah, of course, sure, I can do that. Uh, and they even sometimes ask you to do things that aren't in your wheelhouse. They're like, Hey, could you do this one thing for me? Like you're an SEO company and they're like, Hey, can you also build a website for me? And you're like, I don't build websites, but yeah, I could probably do that. Uh, or in my case, you know, we do a lot of like business consulting and, um, just conversations around growing the business. Uh, I had someone who said, Hey, can you help me get my books in order? Well, I'm not an idiot and I know I'm an idiot about bookkeeping, <laughs> So, but I'm not an idiot about telling people I can do it. And so I said, you know what? No, I can't do that for you. Like, that's not, that's not my set. And I actually lost the sale. The person said, oh, well, we really need someone who needs a more, um, a financial savviness who can kind of help us get our books in order. Now, ultimately they needed a bookkeeper. They needed an accountant. They needed someone to sort all that out. But in his mind, he thought he needed like a business consultant, which he didn't. So the beauty of this is even though I lost the sale, I prevented myself from stepping into a a situation where ultimately this would have been a one-star review or worse, it would have been someone asking for their money back. And I think I say that that's worse because cash flow is king. It's a huge pain to have to refund a customer. Um, Fortunately, I haven't had to do it yet. But with, with money being so inconsistent in general for small business owners, uh, you don't want to get in a situation where you have to refund someone their cash. So communicating expectations on the front end and helping people kind of frame what this relationship looks like. Um, this is often, uh, it's, in, it's, in, it's a crucial first step to making sure your customer has a good experience with you. This, by the way, is like a level of customer service. Again, I think customer service is often misunderstood to be like politeness or kindness. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, Giving these expectations is giving good customer service. But despite all of that, um, if you do this well, you'll have a happy customer. If you don't do it well... You'll probably have someone who's pissed off and if not even just pissed off, is just using too much of your time. Like If you haven't created constraints around contact, when you can reach me, what this looks like, when I will get back to you, then you will find yourself being overly assaulted by requests from this customer. So for example, I might say to a customer, hey, the best way to reach me is my Uh, business email. And you can know I'll always get back to you within 24 hours. As you know, I have many customers. And so while I can't always get back to you immediately, it will always be within 24 hours. So I've communicated, Hey, this is the constraints. This is what it looks like. So if a customer emails me at noon, ideally they're not going to then email me at one o'clock and then two o'clock and then three o'clock and be like, Hey, where are you now getting back to when you have that clinging customer, Let's say you've set the expectations, you've communicated these things, and yet someone is still trying to take advantage of your time, so to speak. Again, not necessarily maliciously, but maybe indirectly, they are taking advantage of your time. So you've, you've given the constraints of the time, and then they are the person who emails you at 12, 1, 2, and 3. What you want to do in those situations is I always, well, I'll say this first. You always point back to those expectations. You say. Hey John, as you recall from our last conversation, this is the best way to reach me. But understand that it will take me about a day to get back to you. Uh, and you, this is where I think a lot of people screw this up. By the way, you don't say this in, in, a, in, a, in a you don't say this in a way that makes it about you. You always frame it about the benefit of your customer. So instead of saying, "Hey John, you emailed me, you emailed me five times in four hours." That was really obnoxious. And of course, I'm not going to get back to you because I have all these other customers. Like, you're not going to say that, you know, even if you may think it, you're not going to say it. You always frame it in the benefit of your customer. And so you say, Hey, John, I want to make sure I'm being thoughtful and giving you the right response. I want to make sure that I'm taking the time to actually read through your request and, and seeing what it is that you need from me. Because I take this approach with all of my customers, I can't always be immediately available in the moment in order to provide you the answer that you need. So you can expect in the next day, I'll always have a response for you. And I'll make sure that I've reviewed your request and that I'm providing a solution that is um, what it is basically that you're asking for. So you frame it in their perspective so that you, you're, not, you're still making it about them, if that makes sense. Now, the other thing you can do is when a customer says, hey, this doesn't work for me, I need you on call. I need you to be available every couple of hours. This is then when you go back to what it is you sold them and you talk about scaling up the project. Now, this is much better at the very start of when you're doing the project. When you say, hey, you know, we're going to talk about, like a perfect example would be like, hey, we're going to meet every once a month. And someone says, well, no, I need you. I need you every week. Then you say, okay, yeah, well, we can definitely talk about that. Here's what every week would look like in terms of a commitment from you. And so naturally it's a higher price. It's, you know, got to, because ultimately you don't really care if it's every day or every week, or every month, as long as you're getting paid accordingly. Like, I think this is what frustrates us. It's not necessarily that we're spending more time with a particular customer. It's that sometimes we feel like we're, de- we're getting taken advantage of for what they've paid versus the expectation of what we should be delivering. So you go back to what it is that you're offering the customer and you say, okay, yeah, we do have an option for that. We can meet every day and it's going to cost us much. It's going to look like this. And if they say, oh, well, it's, you, you, can't, you can't do it at that price, that's when you go back to then the expectations of the service and you say, well, now, typically with our customers, because of the work we're doing and serving our customers, you know, being, we, we naturally don't have the resources to commit that much time to one customer without it also reflecting an appropriate value to it. Um, all of that just being business speak for, you know, if you're going to pay me my, for my time, then I'm happy to spend time with you, but otherwise, you know, this can't work. Um, and in some, like, rare situations, uh, I haven't been in too many of these conversations where, like, there still is pushback after that. Um, sometimes I'll just be really direct and honest and say, hey, you know, as you can probably guess, I can't make a living if if you want to pay this price, but you want to see me every day. I mean, some things just don't pan out there. It just doesn't make sense, you know. Um, and that usually does a pretty good – I say usually. It's only happened a couple of times, but it, it diffuses pretty well, that makes sense. So – First thing is, is to communicate expectations. The second thing is what I just said, to um, offer scaling up the, the program um, or scaling up the service you're delivering. Um, and then um, the other part of that as well, the third thing I would say is always framing it in your customer's benefit. Uh, that's just a great touch of customer service for the people you're talking to. Now, worst case scenario, the fourth thing, let's say you've done all of this uh, and they, um, are still being overly clingy, uh, maybe even combative with your advice. Well, that doesn't work. We should do this, you know, what have you. Um, that is when, and I I think I joked about this in the intro of my episode, that is when it's okay to be done with a customer. Now I'm fortunate in that I've never had to give a refund, but I have had a customer in the past where there was so much back and forth disconnect that it pretty much just came to the point of, you know, this, this felt right from the get-go, but I'm realizing now this is not right. And the customer was similarly feeling the same way. And I, it was kind of like, let's just kind of call it what it is and let's just move on. And it was amicable and we both moved on. Now, you won't always have customers who are amicable in that way. And so, again, I always frame it in their benefit. I say, hey, you... You have a, um, you know, you're, and I try, I'm trying to think about how to phrase it without it sounding patronizing or condescending. Cause you have, there's a little bit of a touch here where you don't want to be like, Hey, you're clearly passionate about this, like crazy. So passionate, you don't want to say it that way, but you might say something like, Hey, um, um, I really appreciate your perspective on how you want this business done. Unfortunately, I don't believe that I'm able to provide the level of service that you are requesting. And since I know your time is valuable, I'm going to politely end our contract and recommend you to one of the other providers in the area. Now, some people will still take this in an angry way. Um, They'll be mad. Uh, But you, again, are presenting it in their benefit. You're kind of keeping yourself um, clean, so to speak. And... But more importantly, you are ending a contract that's eating up way too much of your time, so worst case scenario they're still they're still overly clingy. There may come a point where you just say, "You know what i think I think let's be done." now, if it's a shorter term contract, this is for me personally, if it's a shorter term contract, um I will typically always finish out a contract, and then if they want follow up work, I will either say." I'll either quote them something inexorbent, um, not to nickel and dime them, but to sort of guard my time where I think, okay, if we were to work together again, I like the customer, but what would I actually have to get paid so that I feel like it's worth it for me? So you can offer a new price, um, and they can then opt out, which most will if they're already being overly clingy, or uh, you can just politely tell them no and say you know, unfortunately we have we don't have the capacity to serve you. Uh, in, in in your request to re up the contract, we unfortunately have other projects that have come uh, onto our plate that, um, we're again, unfortunately we're going to have to, uh, focus on those in the short term. However, I'd be happy to chat with you again in the future. Uh, and then again, you give another option for them. Here's a couple of other providers in our area. Here's a couple of competitors that I, you know, are, um, I have people like on where I'm like, Hey, these people are competitors, but they're really well known. A lot of people resonate with them. You can check them out. Um, and what have you. So what I will do for a short-term customer, I will keep them short term being like in the absolute short term, like maybe a month or two, but around a quarter to maybe six months. I'll say, um, I'll say, yeah, hey, this has been so great. Thank you so much for trusting good advice. Unfortunately, we're going, we're unable to continue the contract at this point, um, but happy to revisit in the future. So keeping it polite, but ultimately, I'm sticking up for myself because I don't want to keep this customer. Because again, they're eating up way too much of my time. And this then speaks to having confidence as a business owner, having confidence in what you offer and confidence in what you do, uh, and being able to, to, like I said, stand up for yourself, basically. And the only other thing we haven't talked about is, and I kind of referenced it earlier, but occasionally you will have a customer who is overly engaged because they there, and I mentioned this earlier, they've had an interaction with someone else who did things a certain way. But if you're newer in your business, there may be certain ways things are done that you're not familiar with. And so as they push back or they give feedback or they ask questions, it's super valuable in those moments not to take it personal or have your pride get hit or be overly, like for me, whenever I have like a customer who's kind of getting, I can sense is getting a little bit more engaged than, than maybe I expected. What I typically filter this through, and I'm always towing this line, I'm filtering. Okay. Is this a customer who's had an experience that I'm not familiar with and who maybe has a legitimate criticism that I could then adapt into my business? Or is this someone who's just overly preferential? The overly preferential one being, I had a customer one time who didn't like the statement of work, the contract we sent over to them, and every version that was sent to them, they had a point of criticism. Hey, this doesn't work. Hey, this doesn't make sense. Hey, this... Like to the point where I was spending more time rehashing this contract than I was just moving on to the actual work. And I finally said, Hey, I've sent like contracts like these to Walmart fortune one, and they've been signed with no issue whatsoever. And they have a whole legal team compared to your small business. That's just you. So help me understand what's now, again, you're not going to say this so aggressively, but this is where, again, you're, you're trying to help educate the customer to understand expectations. And so I might say, hey, yeah, this other customer that you know, they don't have an issue with it. Help me see the disconnect. What is it that they're not seeing that I need to be seeing to better serve you? Unfortunately, in this case, once I dropped Walmart and said, yeah, I mean, Walmart signs this no problem. They said, oh, okay, well, it's signed. It's back in your inbox. <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting. Uh, but other times you have customers who aren't being obnoxious. They just, they just have an insight because of a certain, whether it's a niche, whether it's like a certain di- demographic that you haven't engaged with, they have an insight that will inform your business better. And that's why it's so important to kind of filter this stuff out and be like, okay, which situation applies here? or at right, a customer I was talking to recently, there were there were multiple touch points, more, more touch points than I would like. And I was starting to go down that path of, do we need to kind of sever this relationship? But fortunately, I as I was kind of filtering it, it was like, okay, this person just has certain preferences that are really important to them. And in meeting those preferences, I was thinking, okay, can I meet these preferences without it being an, an inexorbitant amount of my time? And I ultimately decided, I think I can, I think I can meet these preferences in a way that makes them happy without me sort of bending over backwards to try to solve problems for them. Um, always still good, though, to sort of have a communi- a- an open conversation and bring them back to kind of like, what is the norm? Like, hey, I see your preferential. Most people like it this way or want it this way. Um, great example would be someone who says like, Hey, I prefer not to use any kind of technology, any kind of digital services, you know, whatever I might say, Hey, you know, I appreciate that preference. That is however, the way we do business that is, however, these are things that we use. Uh, And again, this is a conversation. If you find yourself having this conversation, like three months in with a customer, you've messed up these, this is a conversation where you have to delay the desire to make the sale in order to protect yourself by having a good customer. So you say all this stuff on the front end so that you make sure you're in tune, you're aligned with one another, so that eventually they end up being that raving fan of yours, the customer who loves to buy from you again and again. So all that to say, we all know the pain of the clingy customer, but there's things you can be be doing, things to be done to help you with it. Um, Notably, price yourself accordingly, um, communicate expectations, Um, and you know, when things get rough, uh, think about moving on from the customer, you know, think about, um, protecting your time and politely saying, Hey, I think it's best we just move on. So all that to say, that's today's episode on the good advice podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. If you're a first time listener and you're just tuning into the show, what the heck you waiting on? Make sure you subscribe and continue to follow the podcast wherever you are. And by the way, if you want to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon. You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. And lastly, if you are a business owner and you want your business highlighted in the podcast, I'd love to talk more. Send me an email blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. That's all I got today. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you and I hope you have a great day. Take it easy. See ya.